RadioFreedomSlips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. This is the people's war. It is our war. We are the fighters. Fight it, then. Fight it with all that is in us. And may God defend the right. Warning, warning. We gotta stop them. They're gonna kill us all. See how the trouble you've started? Be they the government, be they industry, be they organized labor, be they anyone, or human beings. Time when the operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart, that you can't take part. You can't even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. And you've got to win the day to the people who run it, to the people who own it. That unless you're free, the machine will be prevented from working at all. Revolution Radio of FreedomSlips.com, the number one listener-supported talk radio station, throwing ourselves upon the gears of the machine. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. You calm down the thunder, well now you've got it. You tell them I'm coming, and hell's coming with me, you hear? Hell's coming with me! Revolution We did not engage in conflict that was out of line with our mission. Is it disloyalty? Is it sedition? Is it treason to oppose the hands of tyranny? Never! I will never send troops anywhere on a mission of that kind without telling them that if somebody shoots at them, they can darn well shoot back. I know not what course others may take. But as for me, give me liberty! A dark cloud is finally lifting across the world as U.S. military intelligence and their global partners are destroying the deep state criminal power structure that has ruled over our planet for hundreds of years. We are free with the God-given rights, and we shall not yield that right to any power on Earth. Hi, I'm Scott McKay. The world is at, and I am your host on The Tipping Point. On Revolution Radio, where every Monday from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, we bring you the latest in this ensuing takedown of this global criminal empire. That's an image of strength. You'll get the raw, hard truth here on The Tipping Point. So come join us Mondays, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, in Studio B at Revolution.Radio. Thanks for listening while we took that short break here at Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com. And now we're going to get back to your host. Hello again. Uh, Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, uh, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to Free Association. My name is Dennis. I'm I'm here in the UK and it's 4 p.m., which means it's 11 a.m. on the East Coast in the States. Uh, I'm here every Saturday afternoon for me, every Saturday morning for you. And uh, I've got a good show lined up today. Uh, I've got a Tales from the, another Tales from the Dark Side because I enjoyed that one last week and I found another one. And then there's a there's a 20 minute piece about the CIA and, uh, and the media. So both from BitChute, <laughs> Because I was rummaging around on Bitchute this, after, this afternoon, a couple of hours ago, 
wondering what, what to do the radio show about, and I found a couple of things, so that's always a good sign. I want to start, though, with uh, a little bit of a conversation about about podcasting. I've been, I've been running a podcast for about four months, just coming up to four months on Podbean. Uh, it's called Free Association, called Free Association Radio Show Roundtable and Podcast. If you want to go looking for it, you'll, you can find it on Google Podcasts or on Player, Player.fm, on Spotify, on anywhere you can find podcasts, you'll find you'll find mine, basically. It, it goes out to all of those types of platforms. But uh, I wasn't sure when I started it what would be happening, but I've got some numbers to share. And I think... For the people who are interested in numbers, this will be useful. If you're not interested in in podcasting statistics, it's not going to be much use to you. But uh, if you were thinking about it, thinking about setting something up, and you weren't sure, then these numbers will probably persuade you it's a good idea. So, to, just to, I'll go, I'll go from the beginning. So I've done 85 hours of live broadcasting in about about four months. And I've I've gained 85 followers. So what that means is a one-to-one correlation. Uh, there's about a thousand likes, uh, about 800 listeners in total over four months, and roughly 3,000 downloads. I'm I'm not going to. It doesn't matter what the exact figures are. It's it's more or less the it's the correlation it's the it's the ratios that matter that gives that gives you the business model the figure the numbers give you a business model so that's that's kind of the point that i'm i'm getting to so if i know that i've got to do one hour of live broadcasting to get one one follower then i i know how much work i've got to put in to get to a thousand and I'm assuming when I get to a thousand, I'll be able to sell something or recommend a product, do some kind of affiliate marketing, do some kind of sponsorship deal with somebody. I don't know. The way that the way the podcasting works is usually running a couple of ads before the before the podcast or during the podcast. And that seems to work for people, but I think you probably gonna I'm probably gonna need a a few more than, than 85 before I get to that point, but it gives me the numbers to get there. And that's the important thing. So I now know what I've got to do. And then I've got a, I've got a podcast, so I've got a podcasting business model sitting there waiting to happen, provided I focus my time and my attention in the right place. So that's a good thing. It's a very good thing. And it means that, uh, I know the direction I'm going in. I know what I'm, what I need to do. So I wanted to share that with people. Some some people are interested. Some people won't be interested in the figures, but uh, at least, at least you know from my experience that it's possible to find out within about four months. So I put a fair bit of work in. I've experimented with with various different formats. I've tried two or three different platforms as well. It's not just the one that I'm that I've settled on, which is Podbean. I tried Podomatic. I tried Spreaker. Couldn't figure out how to get those working, but Podbean seems to be the one. 
Uh, and if you if you do decide to sign up, uh, try podbean.com forward slash free association, and that might get me five dollars or whatever it is as a sign sign up payment. Uh, you never know. Somebody might use it and somebody might sign up and I might get a few dollars. But either way, take a look and uh, see what you think. And uh, my name over there is, is Radio Project. Uh, I do pop-up shows. So I do, a, I do a show on Sunday. I post the radio shows over there. But the show on Sundays is for Podbean. So that's at 7 o'clock my time which will be mid-afternoon on Sundays in the States. Uh, so if you want to join a roundtable on Podbean, do it on a Sunday and look for radio projects and free association. It's called, the show's called, that particular show on Sunday is called Live from the Laundry Room. Basically because I was testing the, the, the wireless signal in the, the place I do my washing. And uh, I got back and I did a show and I, I couldn't think of anything to call it. So I just called it live from the laundry room. And the signal in the, in the laundry room isn't really strong enough to do a full show, but I could start one there and then move to somewhere with a better signal if I really wanted to. Anyway, that enough of that. That's kind of the, that's my house kind of housekeeping stuff. Sometimes people want to know these things. You never, you never, I never be quite sure who's listening. And I've got an audience in Portugal now. So Portugal, Mexico, there's an audience in Indonesia. I know there's an audience in Germany. So who knows what people might need, but that's what I wanted to talk about. That's, that was the feeling I got to talk about. So that's enough for now. So let's go back to Tales from the Dark Side. So because we're coming up to Halloween, really, for no no other reason than that. So let me let me share my screen and then I'll set this up. Damn it, that should do it. So this is an old, obviously it's an old one from the 1980s. Uh, it it should work on the radio. I've just watched it and it's not. It's mostly dialogue. So it should work reasonably well on the radio, uh, but I thought it was fun. This is about a, a guy who's a talk show host. Uh, I'll let him tell the story because you can you can get the story from from the dialogue and the music. Really, you don't need the visuals too much for this one.
listening to Talk Radio 970 T-A-L-K. Stay tuned for Mandrake, the Devil's Advocate, on Talk Radio 970 T-A-L-K. I give up. There's a dead guy in my car tonight. Right inside my parking lot, inside my building. A dead guy. Right inside my car, in the front seat, behind the steering wheel. You believe that? Probably some wino or some freak, that old deed. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they mugged him. I don't know. I don't care. That's not the point. The point is, he's right there inside my parking lot, inside my tight security building. So, I call the cops. Right? A half an hour it takes them to get there. A half an hour. I say, hey, I'm on the air at 12. They say they don't care if I'm going to make the Gettysburg Address. I say, I haven't missed a broadcast in 13 years, and I'm supposed to miss a broadcast because this wino can't find a better place to croak than behind the front wheel of my car? It's time now for Talk Radio 970's Mandrake, the Devil's Advocate. Idiot. They're all idiots. Call six they can't get better jobs, so they become cops. So because they're cops, I'm supposed to kiss their badges? Hello, it's midnight again, and this is Mandrake, the devil's advocate, and I'm on a rampage tonight, so uh, if you're calling in, you better think twice. It's raining here where I am, and I uh, had to walk to the studio tonight because they found a dead guy in my car. Do you believe that? Now, the cops start to hassle me because they think I'm the guy who killed this dead guy. So now I'm on a rampage against cops. Come on, anybody want to talk about cops? Come on, call in. I'll tell you what I think about cops, exactly how I think. No holes barred, no punches pulled about cops, about anything and everything. Hello, this is Mandrake. Where are you calling from? Oh, uh, hello? I'm calling from Cincinnati. You want to talk about cops? Oh, uh, no, no, I want to talk about... Uh... About what? Come on, Cincinnati, don't waste my time. Oh, yeah, yeah, this... This thing with no jobs. This thing with no jobs? It's called unemployment. Yeah, so what? Well, well my husband worked for 24 years in this same job. Now they laid him off. What did your husband do for 24 years? He's a steam fitter. A steam fitter for 24 years? I wouldn't be a steam fitter for 24 minutes. He's lucky he's lost his job. Go on out and celebrate, why don't you? Go on out and have yourself a fancy dinner with French wine and escargot. Don't worry about the bills, I'll be paying for it. Me and the other suckers out there who have good jobs, who support the welfare system. Welcome to welfare, lady. Enjoy. Oh, I knew I shouldn't have called you. Then why did you? A neighbor lady talked me into it. A neighbor lady? What is this neighbor lady run your life here? You do everything this neighbor lady tells you to do? <laughs> you can't talk to me like this. I'm a human being. Yeah? Well, I'm a human being too, madam. A human being who's fed up with the human condition.
Call me back when you've decided to do something meaningful with what's left of your life. I give up. You're listening to Mandrake, the Devil's Advocate, on 970 T-A-L-K. I'm a human being, too. As much as I don't want to be, I am. I'm a human being. Hello, this is Mandrake, the devil's advocate. What's your beef? You're tuned to Mandrake, the devil's advocate. Call 687-T-A-L-K. We keep spending all this money on weapons, and pretty soon you and your family won't have anything to eat. I don't have a family anymore, and I grow my own vegetables, Nebraska. I take care of myself. I see what's coming and I prepare for it. I don't get caught with my pants down like you farmers. We're gonna save the farmers, save the railroads, save the jobs and steel. I give up. Get out of my life. You're talking to the devil's advocate. Yeah, Mandrake. What I really wanted to know. Where are you calling from, sir? Yeah, I'm calling from Pittsburgh. And you're out of work too. Right? No, I got a job. I'm on a job right now. I'm calling from my job. I'm a watchman. What is it that you watch? Listen, I just... How can you stand it, sir? What? Watching. Watching while other people go through life having it all. Yeah, I know, but look... No but, sir. People have it better than you. Much, much better. And you stand there and watch... What are there, nothing but losers out there today? One after another, every call I get, losers! What are you calling a loser? What is the world coming to? Nothing but losers anymore? You people make me sick. You have every advantage today. Electronic, digital, hot and cold running lives with modern science at your fingertips. And you watch... Losers! All of you out there! Losers! Hey, I'll tell you what. You're the loser in my book, Mandrake. How do you like that? A four dollar an hour watchman and he calls me a loser. That's right. I've been listening to you for a long time and you've gone real sour. I'll tell you what. You're just a working stiff like the rest of us. Otherwise, how come you sitting there listening to me? I'm not listening to you. You're listening to me. Is I could turn you off. They make you sit there. You gotta sit there and stay on the phone. Aren't you losing faith, sir? All that watching you're doing, watching the parade go by while your loved ones have their lungs scalded by spilled chemical gases, while politicians use your sweat to buy limousines, while surgeons slice you open unnecessarily and remove your perfectly good organs while your brothers are sliced down in the streets by cocaine dealers with mansions in mexico aren't you losing faith and after the world kicks you in the teeth all day you tune in at night so you can get kicked some more by me i give up i give up yeah it sounds like you did give up mandrake you used to have some sympathy now it's like you're just down on everything. Down on everything and everyone. 
Yes, I give up. I give up. I can't stand it anymore. More red lights and whining voices. Do you think you have a personal exclusive on tragedy? My mother died. My mother died in a fireball on the side of a mountain because somebody sold counterfeit lugs to an airline for a buck seventy-five apiece. My father died in a union picket line. My wife has been in a coma for three years because some technician gave her a general anesthetic too soon after she ate her last supper. My son was the only passenger killed when a car full of drunken teenagers hit a pothole that should have been repaired by one of you idiots out there and skidded into a tray. Yeah, well, I just called to tell you what I thought. What you thought? You mean you actually thought, sir, once, more than once? How many times did you think, sir? I hope it wasn't too taxing. You're a louse, Mandrake. You turn real sour. And I ain't gonna tune you in anymore. This is it for me. And I've been listening to you for a long time. You call yourself the devil's advocate. Well, you sound more like the devil himself. I hope everybody stops listening to you, and I hope people stop calling in. And you have to just sit there, wherever you are, and rot till the end of time. They'll never stop listening to me, Watchman. They can't tune me out. They're drawn to me. Drawn like moths to a flame. I say the things they wish they could say. The hide to these ineffective jackals who stay up all night to hear me speak their minds. They can't tune me out. They'll always be there. Well, it's time for a commercial. But the engineer seems to be on a break. That's okay with me. The sponsors have plenty of money, and you suckers out there will buy their worthless products anyway, commercial or no. You're talking to the devil's advocate? Where are you calling from? Hello. You're on the air. Hello. Turn your radio down, ma'am. How many times must I tell you people to turn your radio down when you call. Radio? Oh, no, I don't have a radio. What's your problem, lady? Speak up or hang up. Hang up? Yes, hang up. Unless you have something to say, hang up the telephone. Oh, dear me, no. The nearest telephone is down at Pritchard's door. People don't have telephones in their homes, Mr. Mandrake. Not even in 1922. How are you hearing me? You do hear me, don't you? Oh, yes. I hear you. How are you managing that, ma'am, without a radio and without a telephone? I don't know, but I am 
hearing you, and I don't like what I hear. I don't blame you. The signal must be terrible. Tell me, how am I coming in? On your orthodonture, your corset ribbing, a hanger you left inside your dress? I don't understand. I only understand that you're rude and overbearing, and I felt compelled to speak. Hello? Andre. You're on the air? Where are you calling from? Well, uh, I'm in New Mexico. What the hell do we need a New Mexico for? The old one is raunchy enough. I think we should get our boys out of Spanish America. The man just heard the news. What's the matter, New Mexico? Don't you know a good old-fashioned mountain war is good for the economy? Ah, oh, President Wilson's a madman if he thinks this punitive expedition is going to do anything for the USA. I think the whole thing is just a dress rehearsal for the war in Europe. What is this, the inmates' night out? Hello, this is Mandrake, the devil's advocate. Where are you calling from, the Middle Ages? I'd like to talk about the concentration camps. Nazis. Hello, this is Mandrake. You're evil, Mandrake. What is the date on your newspaper, ma'am? My newspaper? Why? What is the date? What is today's date? Are these questions too tough for you? Why, it's June 17th, 1967. Do you need the time of day? What is this, a conspiracy? What are you, loonies out there trying to gang up on me? They're gang... I thought you made the best of things, no matter what. <laughs> Who are you? I'm your boss. Why? Boss? That's right. Just calling to tell you what a wonderful job you've done these past 13 years. 
What a wonderful job. I couldn't have asked for a better advocate. Why, you've made more people turn to me than I could have ever possibly hoped for. <laughs> I made people you. <laughs> Sorry I had to deal you such a rough hand, Mandrake. Your wife, your kid, your mom and dad. Mom? Dad? Listen, I don't blame you for giving up, Mandrake. Giving up? I don't blame you at all. If you hadn't given up, I would have promoted you myself. Promoted me? But I didn't have to. You gave up on your own. Perfect timing. I really needed somebody in this new slot. New slot. Oh, just a moment. There's a news bulletin coming through. Sorry, Mandrake, but we have to interrupt this broadcast for a moment. <clears throat> Luther Mandrake, known to radio listeners as the Devil's Advocate was found dead tonight behind the wheel of his Rolls-Royce in the parking lot beneath his lavish apartment building on the city's Knob Hill. Known for his insulting rhetoric and abrasive style, Mandrake, hated by so many of his listeners, is undoubtedly still taking calls, if not at that great switchboard in the sky, then down below where he belongs. <laughs> a bit of fun <laughs> uh, he ended up in hell in the end and he's what you miss on the read on the radio version because it isn't a really a radio version what you miss is that he slowly turned into a demon as he went through that 
when the when the calls started coming in from 1923 or wherever, he started turning into a demon. <laughs> Bit of fun, nicely written though, and a good story and nicely written for 21 minutes. So I thought that was worth playing. And the second one was a piece about the CIA. So let me find that. And then we'll, this is a, again, it's about 20 minutes. This is a more kind of historical piece, but uh, nice and simple, very, very clean. In the worst, if I can find it, of course, which might. There we go. This is a piece called Mockingbird. Again, it's on, it's on Willie Afredo's YouTube channel. What was Operation Mockingbird? Operation Mockingbird was a secret CIA operation in which the Central Intelligence Agency infiltrated, controlled, and worked with all the major media outlets in the United States, as well as a number of other outlets abroad. The purpose of the operation was to spread pro-U.S. and anti-communist propaganda in various forms. The CIA had infiltrated and worked with major newspapers such as the New York Times, radio stations like the Mutual Broadcasting System, television stations like CBS, American state media, and various other publications and outlets. The CIA also paid journalists and other members of the media, as well as editors of news outlets, to either produce propaganda or to publish propaganda already prepared by the CIA, as well as suppress and cover up news stories that could have been damaging to U.S. interests. Quote, among the executives who lent their cooperation to the agency were William Paley of the Columbia Broadcasting System, Henry Lewis of Time Incorporated, Arthur Hayes Salzberger of the New York Times, Harry Bingham Sr. of the Louisville Courier-Journal, and James Copley of the Copley News Service. Other organizations which cooperated with the CIA include the American Broadcasting Company, the National Broadcasting Company, the Associated Press, United Press International, Reuters, Hearst Newspaper, Scripps Howard, Newsweek Magazine, the Mutual Broadcasting System, the Miami Herald, and the old Saturday Evening Post and New York Herald Tribune. By far the most valuable of these associations, according to CIA officials, have been with the New York Times, CBS, and Time Incorporated. CIA sources say flatly that a well-known ABC correspondent worked for the agency through 1973. A high-level CIA official says that the New York Times provided cover for about 10 CIA operatives between 1950 and 1966. The agency's special relationship with the so-called majors, major news outlets, in publishing and broadcasting enabled the CIA to post some of its most valuable operatives abroad without exposure for more than two decades. In most instances, agency files show officials at the highest levels of the CIA, usually director or deputy director, dealt personally with a single designated individual in the top management of the cooperating news organization. The aid furnished often took two forms, providing jobs and credentials, journalistic cover in agency parlance for CIA operatives about to be posted in foreign capitals, and lending the agency the undercover services of reporters already on staff 
including some of the best-known correspondents in the business, unquote. Quote, the agency's dealings with the press began during the earliest stages of the Cold War. Alan Dulles, who became director of the CIA in 1953, sought to establish a recruiting and cover capability within America's most prestigious journalistic institutions. By operating under the guise of accredited news correspondents, Dulles believed CIA operatives abroad would be accorded a degree of access and freedom of movement unobtainable under almost any other type of cover. American publishers, like so many other corporate and institutional leaders at the time, were willing to commit the resources of their companies to the struggle against global communism. Accordingly, the traditional line separating the American press corps and government was often indistinguishable. Rarely was a news agency used to provide cover for CIA operatives abroad without the knowledge and consent of either its principal owner, publisher, or senior editor. Thus, contrary to the notion that the CIA insidiously infiltrated the journalistic community, there is ample evidence that America's leading publishers and news executives allowed themselves and their organizations to become handmaidens to the intelligence services. Unquote. Quote, CIA documents show journalists were engaged to perform tasks for the CIA with the consent of the managements of America's leading news organizations. Unquote. CIA's control of the media. The main goals of the CIA in their infiltration of the media were twofold. One, to use journalists as spies in foreign countries, also to provide cover for CIA agents masquerading as journalists. Two, to spread anti-communist and pro-U.S. propaganda through the media. This was done in the following ways. The CIA paid independent freelance journalists, as well as reporters employed by newspapers, to spy or write propaganda. Quote, some newspaper reporters were paid, some worked for the agency on a purely voluntary basis, unquote. Quote, most freelancers were payrolled by the agency under standard contractual terms. Their journalistic credentials were often supplied by cooperating news organizations. Some filed news stories, others reported only for the CIA, unquote. Talking about one newspaper piece, a CIA agent said, quote, we gave it to New York Times columnist Salzberger as a background piece, and he gave it to the printers and put his name on it, unquote. Several newspapers which claimed to be independent were actually funded or owned by the CIA. Quote, the agency has secretly bankrolled numerous foreign press services, periodicals and newspapers, both English and foreign language, which provided excellent cover for CIA operatives. One such publication was the Rome Daily American, 40% of which was owned by the CIA until the 1970s, unquote. The CIA worked with newspaper executives to utilize their newspapers for propaganda and spying purposes. Quote, there is ample evidence that America's leading publishers and news executives allowed themselves and their organizations to become handmaidens to the intelligence services. Unquote. The plot is uncovered. Information about the CIA's media control operation was first uncovered in 1967 by Rampart Magazine, a small California-based progressive publication. A Rampart's article exposed how the CIA was funding a vast network of front organizations, student organizations, 
nonprofits, cultural associations, etc., which were allegedly independent, but in reality were CIA assets. Quote, At the end of 1966, CIA head of directorate of plans Fitzgerald discovered that Ramparts, a left-wing publication, was planning to publish that the CIA had been secretly funding the National Student Association. Fitzgerald ordered Edgar Applewhite to organize a campaign against the magazine. Applewhite later told Evan Thomas for his book, The Very Best Men, quote, I had all sorts of dirty tricks to hurt their circulation and financing. The people running Ramparts were vulnerable to blackmail. We had awful things in mind, some of which were carried off, unquote. This Dirty Tricks campaign failed to stop Ramparts publishing this story in March 1967. The article, written by Sol Stern, was entitled NSA and the CIA. As well as reporting CIA funding of the National Student Association, it exposed the whole system of anti-communist front organizations in Europe, Asia, and South America. Unquote. Propaganda Campaign Against Ramparts the CIA launched propaganda measures against Ramparts to smear its journalists as fanatics and crazies. The CIA planted a number of stories in the news outlets that it controlled in order to attack Ramparts. In early 1966, word reached the CIA that Ramparts was pursuing leads to its web of cultural organizations. Richard Helms, deputy director for plans, immediately appointed a special assistant to pull together information on ramparts, including any evidence of subversion, and to devise proposals for counteraction. By May, Helms was feeding the White House with the inside dope on ramparts, as part of a campaign to smear the magazine, its editors, and contributors. Much of the information supplied by Helms had been produced from trawling through agency records. Additional dirt was supplied courtesy of the FBI. Its journalists were dismissed as snoops, eccentrics, ventriloquists, and bearded new leftniks who had a get-out-of-Vietnam fixation. The article bore all the hallmarks of a CIA plant. As did a news weekly piece of the same week, Who Really Mans the Ramparts, and an article in the Washington Star, both of which announced serious doubts about the bona fides of Ramparts, which was described as not only a muckraker, but a muckraker with a malevolent motive. The CIA did everything it could to sink ramparts. Quote, I had all sorts of dirty tricks to hurt their circulation and financing, Deputy Inspector General Edgar Applewhite later confessed. The people running ramparts were vulnerable to blackmail, he said. We had awful things in mind, some of which we carried off. Amazingly, given the awfulness of the CIA's intentions, ramparts survived to tell the tale. Of course, ramparts was also a fairly small outlet with a limited audience so most Americans never even heard about the discoveries made by the magazine. More revelations about Mockingbird were yet to come. The Church Committee Hearings Most of what is publicly known about Operation Mockingbird came out in the so-called Church Committee investigation in 1976. The investigation began as a result of the Watergate scandal, because opposition sections of the U.S. ruling class suspected President Nixon of using the CIA against them. This led to a series of hearings where CIA Director Colby was interviewed. Although this hearing confirmed many of the elements of Operation Mockingbird, it is considered by many to have been a very weak investigation. Initially, CIA Director Colby denied that the CIA employs agents or pays large numbers of journalists within the media. We do not attempt to influence what they put in their U.S. journals. 
What they do with respect to their own journal is their business, and we do not, we do not tell them what stories to write or what uh, subjects to cover. We do not, uh, at this time, employ any staff members of regular U.S. general circulation journals. The hearing's findings were that, quote, the CIA currently maintains a network of several hundred foreign individuals around the world who provide intelligence for the CIA and at times attempt to influence opinion through the use of covert propaganda. These individuals provide the CIA with direct access to a large number of newspapers and periodicals, scores of press services and news agencies, radio and television stations, commercial book publishers, and other foreign media outlets. More than a dozen United States news organizations and commercial publishing houses formerly provided cover for CIA agents abroad, unquote. However, the committee report actually minimized the CIA's role in the U.S. media. Much of the committee testimony also remained secret and was not revealed to the general public. Cover-up of Mockingbird The Church Committee investigation did bring CIA's actions into the knowledge of the general public to a degree, but the investigation was very limited and lacking in its scope. It was only allowed to scratch the surface. Quote, During the 1976 investigation of the CIA by the Senate Intelligence Committee, chaired by Senator Frank Church, the dimensions of the agency's involvement with the press became apparent to several members of the panel, as well as to two or three investigators on the staff. But top officials of the CIA, including former directors William Colby and George Bush, persuaded the committee to restrict its inquiry into the matter and to deliberately misrepresent the actual scope of the activities in its final report, unquote. Quote, despite the evidence of widespread CIA use of journalists, the Senate Intelligence Committee and its staff decided against questioning any of the reporters, editors, publishers, or broadcast executives whose relationships with the agency are detailed in CIA files. According to sources in the Senate and the agency, the use of journalists was one of the two areas of inquiry which the CIA went to extraordinary lengths to curtail. The other was the agency's continuing and extensive use of academics. In both instances, the sources said, former directors Colby and Bush and the CIA special counsel Mitchell Rogovin were able to convince key members of the committee that full inquiry or even limited public disclosure of the dimensions of the activities would do irreparable damage to the nation's intelligence-gathering apparatus, as well as to the reputations of hundreds of individuals. Unquote. Quote, the Senate committee's investigation into the use of journalists was conducted under unusually difficult conditions. Request for specific information on the use of journalists was turned down by the CIA. In a series of phone calls and meetings with CIA Director George Bush and other agency officials, the senators insisted that the committee staff be provided information about the scope of CIA press activities. Finally, Bush agreed to order a search of the files and have those records pulled, which deals with operations where journalists had been used. But the raw files could not be made available. Instead, deputies would condense the material into one-paragraph summaries. The names of journalists and of the news organizations with which they were affiliated would be omitted from the summaries. In other words, the CIA would not give them records. They would just tell them this is what the records supposedly said. 
but we were never given any of the records, and the names of the journalists who were CIA operatives were not revealed. Not only did the CIA manage to restrict the investigation, it also managed to infiltrate it. Quote, some members of the church committee and staff feared that agency officials had gained control of the inquiry and that they were being hoodwinked. Quote, the agency was extremely clever about it, and the committee played right into its hands, said one congressional source familiar with all aspects of the inquiry. Quote, church and some of the other members were much more interested in making headlines than in doing serious top investigating, unquote. CIA's change of strategy. Quote, the CIA's use of journalists continued virtually unabated until 1973, when, in response to public disclosure that the agency had secretly employed American reporters, William Colby began scaling down the program. In his public statements, Colby conveyed the impression that the use of journalists had been minimal and of limited importance to the agency. Of course, this was only a lie. The use of journalists had been and continued to be very important and massive in scale. Quote, Meanwhile, important CIA operatives who had been placed on the staff of some major newspapers and broadcast outlets were told to resign and become stringers or freelancers, thus enabling Colby to assure concerned editors that members of their staff were not CIA employees. Colby also feared that some valuable stringer operatives might find their covers blown if scrutiny of the agency's ties with journalists continued. Some of these individuals were reassigned to jobs on so-called proprietary publications, foreign periodicals and broadcast outlets secretly funded and staffed by the CIA. Other journalists who had signed formal contracts with the CIA, making them employees of the agency, were released from their contracts and asked to continue working under less formal arrangements, unquote. Quote, Colby, who built a reputation as one of the most skilled undercover tacticians in the CIA's history, had himself run journalists in clandestine operations before becoming director in 1973. But even he was said by his closest associates to have been disturbed at how extensively and, in his view, indiscriminately, the agency continued to use journalists at the time he took over. Too prominent, the director frequently said of some of the individuals and news organizations then working with the CIA. Others in the agency referred to their best-known journalistic assets as brand names. Quote, Colby's concern was that he might lose the resource altogether unless we became a little more careful about who we used and how we got them, explained one of the former director's deputies. The thrust of Colby's subsequent actions was to move the agency's affiliations away from the so-called majors and to concentrate them instead in smaller newspaper chains, broadcasting groups, and such specialized publications as trade journals and newsletters, unquote. In 1973, the CIA started scaling down their media infiltration due to fear of being exposed. Later, they would claim, we only infiltrated the media before, we don't do that anymore. But in reality, they were still doing it. They were just being more careful about it. They stopped putting as many agents in newspapers or hiring newspaper employees. They switched to informal arrangements with reporters and executives and to using more freelancers. They couldn't stop their media infiltration from being investigated by the church committee, 
but they managed to persuade the committee to limit the investigation to a few select areas only, and thus managed to turn the committee itself into an instrument of cover-up, to the degree that some members of the committee itself feared the CIA had infiltrated it. Conclusions The CIA actually never wanted to reveal any of this information to the public. The Church Committee investigation only started and was allowed to function because members of the ruling class themselves thought President Nixon was using the CIA to spy on them. It was only when a faction of the capitalist class wanted it that there was an investigation. The ordinary Americans never had any say or influence. They could have asked for an investigation or for the truth all they wanted, but they wouldn't have gotten it. When Rampart magazine tried to expose the CIA, they were attacked viciously. A common tactic by the U.S. security state is to admit to wrongdoings only when they can no longer be denied, and when they estimate that so much time has passed that it doesn't matter anymore. They claim, we used to do that before, but we don't do anymore. Now, of course, in the light of the uncovered NSA spying programs, lie campaigns in the media to justify the Iraq war and the following wars, etc., we know that they absolutely still do this. Well, I, I've been a journalist for about 25 years, and I was educated to lie, to manipulate people, to make propaganda, just to push for war. We live in a banana republic and not in a democratic country where we have press freedom. Uh, I was supported by the Central Intelligence Agency, by the CIA. And there are countless other examples, too. By admitting to some wrongdoings, the security state attempts to give a false impression of honesty and fairness. We know the CIA doesn't openly admit to its crimes. The CIA attacked Ramparts magazine for telling the truth and covered up the facts in the church committee investigation, which only ended up revealing a small fraction of what was truly going on. The truth is, the U.S. security apparatus is never punished, never has its power limited, and whenever necessary, it torpedoes all semblance of democracy. They put forth lies in the media to push the nation into war and take actions outside of the control of the parliament or of the people. When things then return to normal, they go back into hiding behind the pretense of supposedly objective and supposedly free media and of parliamentary democracy. In reality, though, the capitalist parliament is just a facade and the capitalist media only a mouthpiece for the ruling class whenever it so desires. Okay, so there you have it. Uh, it's a piece called Mockingbird, and it's on it's on Bitchute about the Operation Mockingbird in the the CIA and the media. So Revolution Radio's listener supported. Uh, I should have I should have done this earlier, but better late than never. If you come down to Revolution.radio or Freedomslips.com, uh, you'll get the opportunity to to make a donation or to join the chat room. Or to buy some merchandise. All of those things support the station. It doesn't have to be money. Or, or you can just show up and, and join in the conversation in the chat room. That's just as much supporting the, the station as as making a, a, a monetary donation. But if you do have money burning a hole in your pocket somewhere, uh, you can become a patron or you can make a one-off donation. Uh, and the, the link's on the navigation tab at the top of the screen. So I'll, I'll be back next week, uh, 11 a.m. Eastern time and 4 p.m. UK time. Um, I'll see you then. The music's going to
coming in about 10 seconds, I think. I'll see you next week. Barbara Jean Lindsay, the Cosmic Oracle. If you have questions about your past lives or future plans, need answers from the cosmos about your love life or career, or just want to keep your finger on the pulse of the planet, check out my show, The Cosmic Oracle, here on Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. Be evasive. But that doesn't mean that they're telling the truth as opposed to fiction. And Genesis chapter 6, verse 4. And there were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came and unto the daughters of men, indicating that there were giants before the Nephilim. And sons of God, plural. They weren't talking about Jesus coming down. No, no, that, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I'm Steve Crawford, host of Factor Theory Live. Join me every Sunday night from 10 p.m. till midnight Eastern Standard Time on Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. Check it out. What the heck is the truth, Jihad? Hey, I'm Kevin Barrett, host of Truth Jihad Radio. Federal prosecutors, Department of Homeland Security agents, and curious passersby often ask me, just what is this Truth Jihad thing anyway? Well, everybody knows what truth is, but Jihad is a misunderstood term. Jihad means effort or struggle. The greater jihad is the struggle to be a better person, while the lesser jihad is the struggle to defend the community. Prophet Muhammad, peace upon him, did say that the best jihad is a word of truth flung in the face of a tyrant. And that's what we do here at Truth Jihad Radio. Every Friday, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, 5 to 7 Pacific, right here on Revolution Radio. 